it's all about knowing that if you feel something scratching within your being, if something doesn't fit right, doesn't feel right, listen to that and then, you know, interrogate it and, and try and strike it out. You are listening to Stream. Every bone in my body was like, you are not doing this, this is wrong. Keep the conversation going and remain top of mind. Challenges are not supposed to stop you. The priorities and the things that we value have entirely changed. What we think influences what we say and how we behave. Taking the first step will reveal the next step. We try and create tomorrow what didn't exist today. It's not going to be perfect. You have to just keep moving forward. Welcome to Stream, a platform where different streams of consciousness come together to share stories of struggles and success. I'm your host, Marisa Logan. This episode of Stream is sponsored by OLX South Africa. OLX, the online classifieds where you can buy and sell pretty much anything, is celebrating all hustlers, those who are working hard to make some extra money, and those who are looking to save some money by making smart purchases. These hustlers work to make and get the best deals so that they can live their best lives. OLX is on the hunt for South Africa's ultimate side hustler in their latest competition, hashtag OLX Hone Your Hustle. OLX have announced the top 20 side hustlers and the side hustler with the highest number of votes will win a life-changing prize valued over 30,000 rand. Play the hashtag OLX Hone Your Hustle game to vote for your favorite side hustler. Double your points and you too can win prizes. Visit OLX South Africa on Facebook and Twitter for more details and enter via hello.olx.co.za forward slash hone your hustle. If your nine to five isn't cutting it and your side hustle is where it's at, then this episode of Stream is for you. Trix Vivia, thank you so much for joining on the stream today. It's lovely to have you here. So before I hand over to you for a quick introduction, I know last year was a big year for you, landing a role on um, the Mnet series Trackers, and then this year landing an even bigger role um, on Legacy and moving, uprooting your life basically from Cape Town to Joburg um, for this new role. Tell us a bit about it. About the uprooting or, <laughs> or the role? <laughs> They um they kind of do go hand in hand because the one couldn't have happened without the other. Um and I suppose the 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 travel restrictions um and the boundaries that we were living under during COVID um yeah really added to me ending up in Johannesburg and portraying this role because if if I was still living in Cape Town and this role came up you know, the fact that I had to move cities would have definitely played a part in um, my commitment to this job. I would have opted for a, you know, perhaps an arc or a day player that I could fly up and down. But um, I think, you know, COVID happened and it was either relocate or possibly lose out on, on the job. Um, and it came at a very interesting time, both personally and professionally. Because I've, I've, firstly, I've always been a freelancer. Um, I've, I've always done um, short, short form television, if you will, or um, you know, feature films, short films, theatre productions. So it's always been a case of you enter the contract, you do the job. Um, there's a beginning, a middle, and end. You conclude it, it goes into post production, and you move on to hopefully your next job or to multiple auditions. Um, but in this case, it was a, you know, it was a situation where I was signing on to a year contract 
Um, and that brought both scary factors, but also very exciting factors because, you know, as many people found themselves out of work um, after COVID happened. So financially, um, it came at a very, a very good time for me. Um, and as I think a lot of people did during COVID, you know, a lot of people had time to kind of really assess um, their professional lives, their personal lives, and really, you know, kind of take a, a magnifying glass and really look at um, the way that you've handled yourself in your professional career. And I did that. Um, over a couple of weeks because, you know, I, I got the first phone call for Legacy in, in, in January already. So I, I had a lot of time to um, to really consider what the implications would be of, of me relocating. Um, and but, but the fact that I had time and space to put my career under that magnifying glass um, really gave me insight and motivated me to, to take the plunge and to pack up my things um, and for my husband and I and our two dogs to, to relocate, to go to go on this new journey. Um, so I don't know if I've answered your question. I think I've kind of exceeded <laughs> the word count here. But um, it was really a culmination of, of elements that led me to, to where I am today. And, and I think if it happened under different circumstances pre-COVID, I'm not sure, you know, if if if, if this would have been the outcome. I think I would have been more skeptical. I, I would have analyzed more things, but COVID made me take the plunge, I, I suppose. Yeah. It's, it's a lot that's happened in, in, in such a short space of time, but also obviously being an actor, it's really tough to land big roles. And I know last year, like I said, was a big year for you. So when it comes, when an opportunity like this comes about, obviously a lot of thought goes into it, but that actually brings me to my next question. In terms of the world of acting, was it always something that you could sustain full time or did you have to sort of juggle a couple of things along the side? You know, like that American sort of story of being every every waitress is an actor. <laughs> what yeah, was your yeah. sort of background leading up to, to this position that you're in now? Well, it, it, it feels like a hundred years ago because I, I realized <laughs> actually just before I hopped onto this call with you that when I started out, it was the year 2009 um, and I wasn't even on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of the way that you approached your career back then, today it, it looks very different. Um, so I, I went into the industry without any, I did not have a manual and um, I obviously, um, had very little experience and I had no idea how anything worked. No idea. Um, and so I, I kind of approached it by what I saw people around me that had graduated from the Waterfront Theatre School, what they were doing. And I thought, well, that is how it's done. And so my plunging to the industry was really trial and error. And I, I never said no to anything. Um, so whatever I could do, whatever ability I had, I and I'll elaborate on that now, but whatever I could do to earn money, I did. And that included, um, I was a magician's assistant. Not that I had that talent before I started, but I learned on the job. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's bored with knowing how to disappear in a box with, you know, a hundred swords going through your body. But um, I, I did that. I taught, um, I was a qualified ballet and modern teacher, so I taught um, classes. 
I did work in a bar and I waited. Um, I did a lot of um, like small children's theater productions where you, you know, you, you literally have a, a combi, like a, a minivan as your little dressing room and you drive from school to school and you play six different characters and you have a sort of a, like a room divider set up. And, you know, we were, not all of the schools had stages or halls. So, you know, uh, we did a tour in Soweto, for example, and sometimes we were just on a piece of ground on the sand under a tree and that was your stage. So to answer your question, I never really, in fact, I only got my first TV job uh, so 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, five years after I started. So it took me five years to actually get the work in the genre that, that I really wanted to work in. That's just how it happened for me. So I sustained myself by doing a lot of dancing work because I was a professional dancer for a long time. Um, you know, I, I did the whole Sun City Showgirl thing. I, I danced in clubs, <laughs> um, not like dodgy, but, you know, um, and yeah. Anyway, but I, I did, I really did all of it and I could pay my rent for that whilst I was, um, yeah, auditioning. And it, it took me five years to get my first TV job. And then after that, it took me another three years to get my first lead, sort of a prominent role where people for the first time really sat up and said, oh, wow, who's, who's this? So she can really kind of act. <laughs> So it was a it was a long road, but no, I, I never did just one thing. Um, it's only been I think three or three years, three four years now that I've I've been able to sustain just from acting. Um, but yeah, that's that is something that I really really admire about you and people within your field because it sounds it sounds like fun, but obviously it it never is at the time when you like struggling and you worried about paying rent and you're juggling all these different jobs. But at the same time, it also feels like you've really lived. You've experienced so many things. It's character building. Like by, by the time in your sixties or seventies, you're gonna have such. Well, you already do have such amazing stories to tell. So, and also, I'm sure that that all helps within your. Um, field of acting like different roles and the character building that you did throughout these roles so you obviously need a lot of grit and determination to be an actor especially in South Africa I obviously have seen over the years that the the sort of local um, productions and talents and everything it's just increased I'm pretty sure massively since you started in 2009 what would you say really um inspires you about your job to keep going like all those times that you faced rejection and all the tough times you've been very determined what has been the most fulfilling about your job sure I'm gonna (laughs) it's really simple it's not a a complicated answer but but to to answer your question I'll start by telling a little story um the the role I'm currently playing on, on legacy I'm I'm the youngest daughter of the Portrait family um, and the art department on set had asked us to submit baby photos of us as you know as kids so they could you know edit and, and make family portraits as, as part of the art dressing in in our house that we're filming and um, I had one scene the other day where I had to enter the scene already very emotional those scenes are quite tricky because you have very little time to get to a place where you are sobbing um, and on the day, I was I was really struggling um, with that because I, I can't remember why. Um, but in the room that I was standing in before I entered the room where we were filming, 
there was a, a baby photo of me. Um, I think I was uh, three or four years old, and I was dressed up in my grandmother's um, the dress. I was it was some kind of concert that we did, and I looked at. I'm probably going to get emotional now, but um, I looked at four year old tricks in this photo, and I stood there in this room, and I realized I'm looking at my younger self, and I I'm able to stand here and tell her. See, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> And I'm able to tell her that she realized her dreams. And that's that was a very, very, very profound um, moment for me because I think it reminded me, firstly, how privileged I am to have had people, you know, on the road supporting me. I had transport. I had parents who fed me, who cared for me, who inspired me. Um, but so the answer to your question is really it was a young girl's dream. It, it's always been my dream. And I've I've never been able to do something else. So that's yeah. I I couldn't I I couldn't tell I couldn't tell young tricks no. So here you, I am. <laughs> literally yeah. giving me goosebumps. That's really such yeah. a beautiful story. And were there moments, obviously, because now you I always I want to tell you you've made it, but I know within acting, like that's never the case because after one job it's back to the hustle and, and it's not like this glorified um you know scene that you always see in the movies that you know one role comes after the next. But were there was there ever a moment where you really wanted to quit and you after sort of all these struggles of pursuing your dream, you felt that you maybe weren't reaching it quick enough? Were, was there a sort of pivotal moment where you almost quit or thought maybe this isn't my destiny? Many, many times, Marisa. I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I wanted to give up because I just, I, I for so long I felt like an outsider and not because I have, you know, issues or anything. It's just simply... A person can only take so much rejection. You are physically, emotionally, mentally able to only endure so much before you get to a point where you really think, you know, I'm clearly not meant to do this because I'm trying so hard. I'm, I'm doing everything right according to the books and my agent, but it's, it's just not happening. Um, but there was one moment where, and it's also a beautiful story um, <laughs> about grit, and um, this ridiculous belief that I have in myself, because, you know, I, I wasn't always really good, <laughs> but I always believed that I could do it. Um, but before I booked the one of the lead roles on a drama called Waterfront, um, they had the, so the audition brief had been circling and I was kind of what they call on the wish list for this part, but so were many other actresses. And at that point, I'd only done very little work. So I was, um, you know, I wasn't a reputable actress. Um, and I submitted tapes and I didn't even make it, you know, through the first round. Um, um, and then they had, I heard that um, they had offered it to someone else. And I was really bummed because I was on the shortlist. It made me feel like I was, you know, I had a chance. Um, anyway, and then this person said no. And a long story short, they offered it to someone else. And she also said no. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'd stand a chance now. And, then I had to re-audition again, um, and I, I re-auditioned, but I was, you know, I, it, I was already in such a broken place because I, I felt like I failed. Um, and then I, I submitted tapes again, um, and, and then I, I got that part, and, and that was 
it, it was something, it was like, you know how they say Phoenix, what is that saying? That you have to be really, really at your lowest point. Um, and it's when you turn around from that when, when the magic happens because you turning around and it's not out of desperation. It's you turning around out of pure, I have, I'm at the lowest point that I can be. So whatever I do now, there's nothing for me left to lose and I'm just going to go for it. And that's what happened within those audition tapes because I was so down. I, I really wanted to quit and I went to my agent's office and we did the auditions and I was like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. I don't care anymore. I don't care what people think anymore because I'm clearly either embarrassing myself or I'm really bad at this. So what's the worst that can happen? And so I did this wild audition tape and then I, I got the part. So, Beautiful. yeah. Yeah. But I had a couple of times where I just, I just, I just, I was, so, I was rejected so many times and I just thought, you know, I'm never. And of course you are paralleling yourself against this kind of narrative, this Hollywood narrative that, you referred to the saying or the phrase made it a uh, big break, um, you know, being on a wish list or a short list. And that was never really part of my journey. And because it wasn't, I always felt like I was perhaps failing or doing something wrong. Or I, I didn't belong to this group of people that were the wanted ones, um, which is so such nonsense. Um so when I speak to younger people now starting out, I said the first thing you need to do is erase that idea of big break, erase the idea of made it, um, and erase your idea of success. Because um, if you're a freelancer, there's no such thing as linear progression. There really isn't. Yeah. Totally. Tricks come at two seconds. Both. <laughs> I can mine a binnen to gemak. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yo, I said, I'm going to just like to feel proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I, you've got me like hanging here. You story, <laughs> story so beautiful. <laughs> um, okay, I've just got a few more questions, yeah? Um, okay. Yeah, most of the time, it's quarter ten, so. Okay, like um, okay, so we've spoken about a lot of the sort of moments of darkness and also um, grit. I want to know as an actor, because this has always fascinated me because I often go through phases, I can be super emotional and I, I don't want to see people or I don't want to, like definitely don't want to appear on camera. I'm sure everyone has those days and this is something that I always admire of like actors, models or anyone who has to physically show up. Do you have a pep talk or a ritual or anything when Trix is just not in the mood to perform or to act? Like what do you actually have to mentally go through to, to, to get the courage to actually show up? Mm. Um, I'm going to sound like such a nerd, but um you know, when I have work, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm so fucking happy to have work that it's, it's very seldom that I don't want to go to work. And I, I, I actually, I did have a day yesterday. Um, the, I obviously can't disclose what I was shooting because the show hasn't started, but, um, I, I was very scared to go to work and I was scared to go to the places that I had to go emotionally because it's, um, uh, very, um, dark, dark places that I, that I have to 
access in order to deliver the performances that would service the storyline at that point. Um, and I, again, a very simple answer. I'm, I'm really just happy to have work um, and to, to, to be selected and to have the opportunity to go to work and, and, and do what I love to do. And that sounds really cheesy, but it's the honest truth because as I, you know, as we've covered before, I, um, it didn't come easy. And so I, I approach every second of every day with immense gratitude. Um, because if, if I do feel like, oh, I really don't feel like working today. I, my other tricks, like I have a twin head that, you know, speaks to me every day will say, how dare you? How dare you not feel like working today? Like, how dare you be such a, you know, um, so I, I've, I've never really felt like that, but it's to answer the other part of your question, it, it takes immense, uh, you have to be really brave to, to fully, um, show up, um, in front of the camera because you either do it or, or you don't. Um, there's no such thing as a halfway performance. I mean, you can do it, but it reads and, you know, it won't be believable for the audience. Um, but I, I do that by compartmentalizing. So I really have my private life and I have my professional life. And I know that the way I've constructed my private life, uh, my relationship, my home life, I can afford to go to work and really show up and do whatever it is I need to do. Um, yesterday, there was a lot of violent scenes, a lot of emotional scenes. Um, and I know that I can do that at work and I know that I can show up and be absolutely present and give all of myself because I know for a fact that when I come home, I have a safe space that is protected and that nobody else knows about. And I can be the fragile tricks and the, you know, the exhausted tricks and the vulnerable tricks. And I have someone who's looking after me again, super privileged to, to have that. And I've got friends I can phone. So I've, that kind of works for me. I've, I've set up my life in that way that I can go to work and, you know, go bonkers and do all sorts of weird stuff, but then I can come home um, and I can just let all of that go in a safe space where people have no preconceived ideas of, or expectations of, of what and how I should be. And, you know, so that's, yeah, yeah how I've created the perfect sort of balance and contrast from work. I think that's actually yeah. so important for so many people with whatever field you're in, um, especially during this year where so many people are faced with such stress, stressful situations and jobs and even everyone in the front line in the medical profession. I think what you've created for yourself, it is, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a blessing as well. And um, the future for tricks, what does that look like? I Obviously, I can kind of answer it because you never, I haven't interviewed anyone that's this passionate about their job yet. So it's really inspiring. <laughs> so I'm sure <laughs> that acting is still in the pipeline for a very long time. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm going to be on, on Legacy for a while. I'm, I've, I've signed a contract for 206 episodes. Um, and I'm going to be there until the end of March. Um, and depending on, you know, viewership and, um, ratings, we'll either get renewed for a season two or I'll carry on to do something else. Um, I am working on a feature film next year in March, which I'm very excited about. And then my sister and I are producing a play. Of course, it's, you know, it's only going to happen in a, a year or so when, when theaters open up again. Um, and then I'm also working on a short film with her. And then I'm, I'm hoping to start 
directing at some point in my career. Um, I've I've definitely gained a lot of interest in that. So I think that's something I, I really want to uh, explore um, at, at some point. I'm just not sure. I'm I think as a lot of people now, I'm kind of just I'm I'm going with what's being offered to me. And I'm making the most of every day, but it's hard to live past tomorrow. I'm kind of just aiming for the end of the day, trying to do my best and and be super present and super grateful. And and then I'll face whatever happens tomorrow. I think we all, you know, it's a very uncertain time for a lot of people. Um, COVID has really shaken us all up a lot. So I'm kind of being there for, um, you know, my partner and my friends and my family. And then when I go to work, I want to be there for everybody who's, getting out of bed in the morning and trying to make this project work um, as much as I can because it's, yeah, it, it takes a lot to film during COVID. A COVID set is a very daunting place to be. Um, and I have immense respect for our crew, our directors and our producers for making these things happen. So that's kind of what, you know, very topical for me at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, lots happening, but also exciting things in the pipeline. I um, I wanted to ask you this question as as being a fellow 30-year-old woman, being an inspiration, not only to me, but to so many other women out there. I know you are incredibly strong. And um, I want to know if you've got any advice to um, a woman out there within their 30s who are facing sort of societal pressure of what we should have achieved by this age or what we should have accomplished. And the reason why I'm actually bringing it up as well is it's a, it's a podcast um, topic that I'm going to be discussing with a lovely psychiatrist, Dr. Jay Stanbridge. And I wanted your take on it because I really do um, admire your sort of whole ethos and way of living. And I'd love to know what you think, especially I mean, you've probably heard it before a lot of times as well, is, you know, if you're not married, it's like, when you're getting married, when why don't you have kids yet? Um, you're not established in your career. There's a lot of pressure that comes with women in your cities, especially women. So I just wanted to know your sort of take on that and advice to anyone listening or watching. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, uh, very good question, firstly. And secondly, very interesting that you are bringing it up because it's certain most certainly been uh, very topical in a lot of conversations that I've had recently. Um, and it was sparked by the fact that, so I turned 32 uh, in June this year. And, um, you know, I'm experiencing this surge in sort of a career success. Um, but people around me are kind of, you know, really settling down and, and trying to fall pregnant. And um, so I, I, I do as a result of that in many conversations feel very out of place because that's really not on my mind at all. Um, and I have been questioning these elements that do societal elements that kind of solidifies your place in the world as a woman, um, in terms of getting married and, you know, for having a, being a mom. Um, and the fact that that's not for everybody. Um, I've also been exploring it, especially as a white Afrikaans woman and the, um, nuclear family construct and sort of the the term they use is the Volksmutter that every Afrikaans person or woman uh, is expected to become and if you don't become that it's quite hard to set a new standard but my advice I the journey that I walked is really reading a lot of books and finding alternative representations of women across the board um, from different cultures and different countries but I really had to go and find 
alternative ways of functioning and existing as a 32-year-old woman in society because what was available to me um, didn't that that uh, 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 jacket didn't fit me. So I I had to kind of design something new, um, which was a very interesting journey for me to walk both personally and professionally and also in in, in my marriage. Um, so my advice is really, again, simple answer is to really question everything, um, have discussions about everything because if you if you think about where these constructs came from, if you think about religion and politics, there are so many facts that um, influence the um, expectations and architecture of the perfect type of woman and what kind of role she should be playing in society. Um, And it's not until we really question something as simple as um, getting up after dinner to start clearing the table. You know, it's a simple thing, but it's so ingrained. It's saying, no, 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 Muni Yelani Axel. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's those kind of things at a braai, you know, women all standing outside in the kitchen and the guys. So it, it really starts for me. It started at home and, um, started reading a lot of books, read, uh, finding, finding alternative ways of existing as a woman. Um, and I drew a lot of inspiration from a lot of feminists, um, around me, um, both locally and internationally. Um, and it's, it's really about education and then surrounding yourself with people who are living those alternatives. That's really important. But to always remember that if, you know, it's all about if you question X in women, you should question X in men. That's always been like the base. Um, that's actually a quote from uh, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, one of my favorite writers. Um, and then also the other thing that everything is a choice and you should respect everybody's choices. You know, there's no right or wrong. So if you do choose to follow a certain path that is more conventional, that's absolutely okay. But then in turn, I should be allowed to choose a completely alternative path. And that should also also be okay. Um, so I, I don't know if I answered your yes, question, com- but it, it, it most certainly is about uh, deconstructing. That's a very fancy word. And a lot of people are, you know, throwing that around, but it's about, undoing the system that has been done and then finding new pathways of 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 being and of communicating and of expressing yourself i think um and really questioning what is allowed and what is not allowed and why not (laughs) that's a very good point and i think that um i almost think that the youth of today have got so many more sort of examples and resources at their disposal so like for us growing up, I still remember very clearly not having internet at home. And um, okay, you obviously was a couple of steps ahead. We probably did a lot more reading than I did, but <laughs> that's good advice to sort of search for alternatives. And because there's somewhat there's a system out there that can suit anyone, or not necessarily a system. There's you know a support crew, and there's a lot out there that we often, as growing up, can feel so self isolated or alone or different, or we don't belong. I think that was yeah, you know, that was yeah. one big thing that I felt um, in an Afrikaans school, being in, yeah. in, brought up in an English family. So that's really good, like sound advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all to do with the fact that it's okay with being other. It's okay with not feeling like you fit in the, again, uh, let's call it a, 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 not a biodome, but a kind of a, um, 
uh, ecosystem, um, you know, and, and, and then creating your own one where you do feel comfortable, where you do feel like you can really be and live your authentic self. Um, and it's, it's hard and it's really uncomfortable and you, you know, you will lose relationships with partners and friends, but it's all about knowing that if you feel something scratching within your being, if something doesn't fit right, doesn't feel right, listen to that and then, you know, interrogate it and, and try and, um, um, strike it out. What, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Now, instead of, instead of compromising, uh, who you are and, uh, uh, lowering your voice because that's what a lot of people do to, to then fit in the, you know, the stream that's already going north or south or wherever that's conventional stream is going. And then to end off, I wanted to find out if there was a sort of your biggest takeaway from pain. And I think this is something that I always find so fascinating because you've gone through, like you've said, a lot of tough times and, you know, had to put on your big girl panties and you had to have been very driven. Is there a particular moment or takeaway from a challenging situation that you still hold as a very big learning in your life or a blessing? Sure. Um, well, I, I know for certain that I've, I've learned the most of myself and about myself and the way that I uh, exist in the world and the things that I yearn for from failed relationships, most certainly. Um, and then at the same time from also being alone. Um, that looks different for, for everybody, but um, I've, I've had quite a good combination of, you know, being alone, if I say alone, like single, um, but also being in a lot of, crazy relationships um and that's that's taught me a lot about a lot about what it is that i want what is my my emotional makeup yearn for in order to feel loved in order to feel intimacy in order to feel that i've formed bonds with people that will that it's strong enough to hold me and to endure whatever come whatever life uh, throws our way. Um, and I, I think the thing that I've learned the most from pain is that instead of covering up elements about myself that make me feel uncomfortable, that I'm shy to admit, it's better to let those elements come out and breathe um, and, and uh, you know, look look them in the face and say, well, who are you? Uh, uh, what do you want? Um, and what are the obstacles standing in your way? And why am I shy of saying that I feel that way? Why am I afraid of saying I want this or I react like that? Um, I think that's, that's what, that, 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 that is what pain ha has taught me the most is to really, um, unpack the groceries out of that bag and look at them, <laughs> put them on the kitchen counter and really inspect them. Um, and then that's obviously served me very well as an actor, um, both as an actor, but also in my uh, personal relationships, I think. Yeah. Amazing. And it's, you know, it's, um, pain is also illuminate or not illuminated, but really shed light on the, the ebb and flow of life really, um, is to accept that it's instead of being a singular event in your life, it's going to be, 
it's um, this ingeflag in the ebb and flow of life. And life is full of dualities. And it's almost like you have to just accept that that's, there will always be an up and it will always be followed by a down. But from the down, uh, you know, you'll climb the mountain again and then you'll have a beautiful view. But you can't have the one without the other. Um, so that's, that's really, I, I think, um, yeah. And then thirdly, I would say, um, personal growth really is, it always comes from discomfort and, and, and pain and suffering, which is all relative to everybody, I guess. But, um, yeah, personal growth and that can only serve you in, in everything that you do. And then eventually, and it'll pull into your own personal happiness, um, and, and the sustenance to, well, to sustain personal happiness and content, being content. Yeah. I don't no. know if I answered the question. No. <laughs> I literally, I know you've got a couple of interviews today. I feel like I can chat to you for hours about this. I feel like you need your own podcast. You've got 20 minutes more before I jump onto the new or the other one. So that's fine. Well, I'm enjoying this actually because the other ones are all, um, they're going to be very, not corporate, but uh, it's all, you know, press. So yes. acting and, yeah. and roles and. Well, this is actually this is pretty much all of the all of the questions that I had. I had one little last one, and I do feel like I can chat to you for hours about this. I just find it fascinating. I think there's so much that you say that I can relate to and that I admire, and I think you're an incredible role model. I do believe you need your own like podcast series of your own, <laughs> interviewing females. You'll be brilliant. Um, but if what would you say, and I know this is a cliche of a question, but I just, it's something that I questioned this year when I changed from a 13-year career into something new, is what would you say your purpose is in life? Yeah, we, I think I have more than one, really, but um I've I've always been attracted to oh this is gonna sound very um broad um to find meaning in 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 whatever it is I do. But but before that, what the thing that trumps that is is to feel. Now this sounds even more isotheris. What's isotheris in Ethereal, I think, or I said, what is this ethereal in English? I don't know. Um, but, but to feel, uh, Marisa, the, the journalist asked me the other day, why, why is it that I act? And, um, I, I didn't have a solid answer for her, but, but what I did have was a, a story of the way that I felt the first time I danced on stage. And, uh, I have never ever felt so alive and so connected with every single Again, it might sound airy-fairy, but connected to every single fiber of my being, my energy, the blood flowing through my veins. And that's because when I act, when I perform, I feel. Um, and I think my worst fear ever is to be completely disconnected from things that are happening around me. And I, 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 I fear of, I have a fear of isolation and, and not, um, being connected. But but not you know not this. <laughs> yes, connected. <laughs> not the Wi-Fi. But yeah. but I I would say that I, I and to love and to understand and to listen and to yeah. There's um 
there's really a, a bigger energy in in this world, and I I think I'm I'm on a constant quest to find a connection to that bigger energy, and at the moment, it's through my work. Um, it, it might take another shape at, at some point in my life, maybe perhaps when I become a parent or, um, but it's, it's to be connected and to feel, feel fully, um, again, very vast, broad answer, but yeah. No, I love that. I actually also doing everything that happened this year and when I got so consumed with work and wrapped up in this bubble of like grinding so hard one of the first things that I actually turned to Rocco and said was like, I feel like I'm not feeling. I feel I'm like, you know, chasing, chasing, chasing. I'm not in my body. I'm not uh, feeling emotions. I'm bland. I'm, and it's a horrible space to be in. So I can completely understand what you're saying and, and that passion. Yeah. And when you do feel it, it's such a, you just want to hold on to it and Make yeah. sure that the rest of your life you can tap into it. But as life yeah. likes to throw different ha- challenges towards us, we can't always, you know, we have to experience all the darkness as well. Mm-hmm. But, but it's, it's really that like connecting these two spaces, you know, it's really connecting your heart and your your mind. And um, because we are so easily in, in, influenced by, you know, social media and uh industry of you know look at what that one is doing or I should be doing this or what I'm doing this why am I not feeling if I'm doing a why am I not feeling b because because the book said or the news said or the Instagram said if I do a I'll feel b and you know that's very seldomly so so um I think it's tapping into a different space to kind of as a resource of how to feel and how to respond instead of you know, thinking if I do one thing, it's going to have a certain kind of result emotionally. Oh, Trix, thanks so much for your time and sharing, being being vulnerable. But as I said, being an inspiration. I really, really enjoyed our conversation and I'm very grateful that you had um, time to chat with me today. Thank you. Thanks, Marisa. This episode of Stream was brought to you by OLX South Africa. For more information, visit OLX South Africa on Facebook and Twitter and remember to vote for your favorite side hustler by playing the hashtag OLX Hone Your Hustle game on hello.olx.co.za forward slash Hone Your Hustle. Hashtag live more with OLX.